Good to see you guys this morning. And um, again, if you're new here this morning, we want to extend a, a, just a special welcome. We're, we're grateful that you're here this morning, that you chose to come and worship with us. And we don't take that lightly. We recognize that there are a lot of great churches in town. And um, we're thankful that you chose to come this morning and worship with us. So we are super grateful. We are uh, continuing in here on our study, kind of our, our cultural um, study, Christ in culture, and the implications of that for the church and for believers. And, and so, um, you know, if you happen to be online and you're joining us and maybe you have little ones, right, you, you might keep them busy. Um, we're going to keep things, you know, pretty... Uh, we're not, we're not going to get too, too crazy about details or anything like that, but, but certainly we will be talking about adult topics this morning and using language that way, which could initiate possibly conversations that, that maybe you don't want to have right now. So um, just want to let you know that, that we are talking this morning on a little bit of adult content. Also, too, I want to encourage you, if you have our app, um, A, if you don't have the app, go to your app store and download, go to... Uh, uh, Bighorn Rock Church, find our app for right here, and we just put up our very first official podcast um, this last week, which was with uh, Jeff and Alicia Clark talking about their experiences. They went to Washington, D.C. for the Franklin Graham prayer walk, and also there was a, another prayer walk going on there at that time, and just what it was like to get together with thousands and thousands and thousands of other believers at our nation's capital and pray together. So anyway, uh, go check that out. So today, again, as we hit kind of part two of this idea of to become one, um, we are going to really enter into and talk about the idea of human sexuality. Now with that, I'm going to make my annual or my uh, weekly disclaimer here, and, and that is this. I recognize and know that each one of us here have family, we have friends, um, we have children, uh, and we may even personally be struggling with some of these issues. And my intent here today is, is not to cause a wedge between uh, myself and anyone here or online or anywhere. That, that's not my intent. Uh, if that happens, I want you to know that that's not because I intend uh, to do that. I understand the reality of the complexity of humanity, of, of, of our, of our uh, sexuality, and those kinds of things. I understand that it's not a simple matter, and I don't want to oversimplify this or make this sound like um, I have all the answers because I'm going to tell you that, that, that there are a lot of things about nature and nurture and all of these different things that we try to come up with and look at and talk about, and, and I'm just going to tell you up front here, I don't know about a lot of that stuff, and I don't know that anybody right now does, but we are going to talk from a biblical perspective on this. What I'm going to give you is what I believe that the Bible teaches on this. I'm going to teach on this today because we have to talk about this, because this is, it, it's too big of a subject. The reality of it is, is everybody is talking about it, right? And so the church must begin to speak into this issue. So uh, there are some of these things I'm going to be able to speak from experience on. And there are some of these things I have no experience with. And so I'm not going to pretend to have experience in the areas that I don't. I won't even try to do that. But as we do that again, my, my, my intent is not to be um, judgmental. Uh, my, my intent is never to portray the church as a place of judgment. I want to make sure that this is a 
message that is filled with grace and love that uh, captures the idea of the power of redemption that we believe in, that Jesus is the redeemer, that he, um, he is the answer, and he is the hope for each and every one of us, regardless of what sin issue struggle we come with. The reality of it is, is that there's none of us here that are not broken. There are none of us that have it all figured out. And so we all equally need this savior and we need his redeeming work in our lives. And so that's going to be the place that we're going to launch from right here. Um, But Rick Warren said this, he said, we must either choose the disapproval of this world or the disapproval of God. So uh, the message that we have uh, is is a difficult one, but we're going to, we're going to approach it with as much grace and truth as we possibly can. Um, you know, there's a, several places in the Bible where, where, where it talks about that people began to do what was right in their own eyes. And those led to the darkest, most broken times that, that Israel um, really experienced. And it certainly is a place where, where we uh, would launch out today. That's a, a place where culture is living today. Again, in this postmodern era, the idea that all truth is, is relative, that there is no actual truth, there is no objective truth, that each and every one of us define and make our own truth um, has led us to a place of real uh, just uh, fluid uh, everything. Gender has now become fluid. Marriage has become fluid. Um, uh, our sexuality has become this fluid thing, and it's, it's beginning to spread out just, just further and further and further. Um, so Christianity is this offensive belief system that comes in, and it has a sexual ethic to it. And, and, and so a sexual ethic is taught within Christianity, and that makes it very offensive, right? Because this idea of our sexuality and who we are and how we treat this area of our lives is something that we, especially in this nation, are intently holding on to. So I'm going to start by stealing just a little bit of something from C.S. Lewis I was reading the other day. I've, I've adapted it a little bit to better fit into our culture and maybe our understanding. But um, here we go. We're going to start off with this, okay? And you may be saying, what are you talking about, Try? What do you got? Picture of bacon up there as we begin this thing. But let me just say, would you guys all agree that bacon is good? Oh, man. Praise you, Jesus, right? Thank you, Lord, that you have set us free from the dietary restrictions of the Old Testament and of the law, and you've set us free to experience and to have the blessing of bacon, right? What, what, a, what an incredible thing. And we all love bacon, and we would agree that bacon is very good. Bacon's a great thing. And we all love to have bacon. But now... Let's think about this. Let's imagine ourselves in a place and at a time and among a people, right, who have taken bacon and and, and we've taken it kind of to a new level. As a matter of fact, we, we, we really just like, we like to look at just the rawness of bacon. And, and we, we, we actually go to little bacon strip clubs even and stuff, and we, we throw money at bacon, and, and, and we, 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 we have begun to be obsessed everything about bacon. As a matter of fact, we, we spend our time looking at pictures of bacon sizzling on the, the, the frying pan and everything about bacon. We're drooling over pictures of bacon. 
Now, while we all would agree that bacon is good, we might find ourselves or believe ourselves to actually be in a place in where while bacon is, yes, good, the people and their approach to bacon has begun to take an unhealthy approach to it. See where I'm going? Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so um, how are we doing? How, how are we doing in this area as a country? And, and I want to give you some statistics, and statistics can mean nothing or something, but I think that they probably mean something in between those two things. But they're, they're useful for us today, and we're going to look at some of these. For one thing, I want you to know that the United States is the world's largest producer of pornography with a 60% market share in the world today. It is a $2.84 billion per year industry. That's more than the NFL, the NBA, and the MLB combined. The entire pornography industry globally is about $4.9 billion per year. There are 2.5 billion pornographic emails that go out every single day. 25% of all search requests online are pornography related. There are 68 million per day. 35% of all downloads are pornography. 116,000 searches for child pornography happen every single day. There are 42 million pornography sites online. Every second, $3,075.64, how they come up with that, I don't know, is spent on pornography. And every second, 28,258 people are viewing. 40 million Americas are Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. 70% of men 18 to 24 visit porn sites in a typical month. One in three porn viewers are women. 76% of young Christians actively search for porn. 59% of pastors say married men seek their help for porn use. 33% of Christian women under 25 search for porn at least one time per month. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn one time per month. Only 13% of self-identified Christians say they never watch porn. 68% of churchmen and 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. 70% of all youth pastors say they have had at least one teen come for help in dealing with pornography. The average age a child first sees porn is 11. By, by 14, 94% have seen it. Uh, the most popular uh, day for viewing pornography is Sunday. 47% of families say that porn is a problem in their home. Porn increases the rate of infidelity by 300%. 56% of all divorcees involved one party having an obsessive interest in porn. Another multi-billion dollar industry in this nation and in the globe around us is the trafficking industry, the sex trafficking industry. And with a State Department report, here are some facts for you. The U.S. is the top country of origin for victims of trafficking, followed by Mexico and the Philippines. 4.5 million victims of sex trafficking. Out of those 4.5 million, 1 million are children. Average age to enter the sex trade industry is 12 to 14, with the demographic being runaways that were sexually abused as children. Women and girls account for 71% of all victims. Craigslist has 10,000 to 16,000 adult service postings per day. If you think pornography is free and doesn't hurt anyone, the victims of sex trafficking are exploited for pornography and suffer long-lasting physical, psychological trauma, disease, drug addiction, malnutrition, and social ostracism. One in four women and one in seven men will be sexually abused in their lifetime. 
developmentally disabled, the developmentally disabled are twice as likely to experience abuse. 83% of females and 32% of males have been victims of sexual abuse. Only 2% of sexual abuse cases turn out to be false. Since 2014, uh, chlamydia is up 19%, gonorrhea is up 63%, syphilis is up 71%, and congenital syphilis is up 185%. How we doing? How we doing in this area? That's the big question. Might we start to look and say, we aren't doing well in this area? that we're struggling in this area and, and we might maybe admit to having a problem. You know, our approach to this problem is destroying families. It's bringing untold baggage and struggle to individuals and it's tearing at the fabric of our nation. Because this, doesn't, this isn't a trip that we're on alone. This has to do with how we're all going in a direction together. So, how do we do this and how do we navigate this? And I've, I use this illustration at times, but we have to orient ourselves. And, and if you are going to use a map and a compass, you have to orient your compass to true north. Because do you know where your compass points towards? It points to magnetic north, which is 12 degrees off of true north. So a map is oriented to true north. A compass is oriented to magnetic north. In Sheridan, Wyoming, we're 12 degrees east of magnetic north. That means that it points 12 degrees off. So if, if we are a people who are going to navigate this and we're going to figure this out, we have, to, we have to have something accurate. We have to have something to point to. We have to have a direction. And, and if you were to start off, and you were to start off, and, and you were just one degree off as you began to, to, to plot your course through this, if you were one degree off, after 100 yards, you'd be off 5.2 feet. Not a big deal, right? Not a big deal. Uh, but noticeable, after a mile, you'd be off 92 feet. Not, still not a huge deal. If you traveled from San Francisco to LA, you'd be off six miles. If you were trying to get from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., you'd end up on the other side of Baltimore. You'd be 42 miles off. If you were traveling around the globe from Washington, D.C. and trying to get back there, you'd miss it by 435 miles. You'd end up in Boston. If you were on a rocket and you were going to the moon one degree off, you'd be off 4,169 miles, nearly twice the diameter of the moon. If you were going to the sun, you'd miss it by 1.6 million miles, twice the diameter of the sun. If you were going to the nearest star, you'd be off course by over 441 billion miles, 120 times the distance from the Earth to Pluto, or 4,745 times the distance from Earth to the Sun. So we're all going somewhere. And I believe that God has given these parameters and He's given uh, the, this rules and, and these parameters for our freedom and for our goodness. Because we all are going somewhere together. And we live in a world that wants to tell us that the highest state of being a human being is found in our sexuality. It, it says that sexual fulfillment is the de definition itself of human fulfillment. 
See, we have been fed lies by the movies we watch, by the magazines and the books that we read. Um, we, we've, we've been told that unbridled passion is so natural and so freely occurring and uncontrollable that the only way to be truly healthy is, is, for, is just the unbridled expression of this. We bought the lie that our sexuality defines us. You know, I, I'll tell you a little story about myself. When, before I was a Christian, I can remember this very vividly. I heard the story somehow. I don't even know how I heard it. It wasn't in the circle that I ran in. But somebody talked about these people, Eric and Leslie Ludy, and they wrote a book called When God Writes Your Love Story. And, and in this book, it, was, it talked about them and, and them pursuing purity all the way up until their marriage night. And, and that they, they did that. And you know what I thought about that? A, I thought, that's a lie. Nobody does that. Nobody could do that. Nobody does do that. And then B, my next response to that was if they did that, if they did that, it's only because they're not healthy. There's something wrong with them. You see, this was my, this was my view of, of, of what it looked like and, and, and what it was like. And, and, and my view and my thing, my compass was, was way off. And, but Jesus came into my life and he began to reorient me. I mean, don't take that the wrong way. I, was, I mean, he, he began to, to change my perspective on these things. And, and the very, so, so the very thing that I believe was absolutely impossible and beyond anything, um, I got to experience four years being single and celibate. And I got to kiss my wife on the lips the very first time the day that I married her. Now, now I don't tell you that because there's, there's all kinds of failures I have in my life. There's all kinds of, of ways that, that I miss that. And I don't say that to puff me up. I'm just telling you that Jesus changed my life. He changed my perspective on these things. And he's the only one who ever could or would change that in me. You see, God never says you're merely your sexuality. You're not your stuff. You're not your bank account. You're not the car you drive. Uh, you're not your status. You're not any of those things that we as human beings uh, begin to attribute to human worth. He tells you that you're much more than that. And then that we've been created with a soul and we've been created with a spirit and our orientation is not sexually. Our orientation needs to be towards our creator, towards the one who made us, the one who defines us, the one who begins to explain these things for us and the one in which all life proceeds from and is sustained by. You see, we have to remember that each and every person is created in the very image of God. We're image bearers of God. But we also have to live in the tension of the reality that this world is broken. And sin has come into this world and it's affected each and every one of us. And there's none of us here that are immune. There's none of us who have done this perfect. But we have to first begin by orienting ourselves the way that Jesus says. And in Mark 10, we talked about this last week as we talked about marriage. But he says this, he says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And so there's so much in this statement. But what Jesus did was he basically said, look, this is true north. This is what we set our compass by. Everything else, anything else that deviates out of this true north is just not, he didn't go and say, this isn't right, and this isn't right, and this isn't right, and this, there's no end to that. What Jesus did is said, this is it. This is how you align yourself. And he says, from the beginning, it's always been this way. It's never been a different way. It's never evolved. It's never changed. And it starts by saying that God made them male and female. That, 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 that really that gender is, is fixed and that it is the, the God himself created each person individually and uniquely. And he's, he's stamped his divine image on, on each and every person. And, and so we're living in a place now where because of how our approach to things, because of our origins, see, if we don't believe fundamentally that we're created by God and that he did this, then we begin to believe that we define our own reality, right? We define everything and even gender. And even as we live in a place where, where maybe there, we have young people and they, they, they're really young, and maybe there's, there's a lot of stuff that's spilling over into their lives. I, I, I don't know what that can look like. I don't know what's happening in each and every life. But, but maybe for some reason, brand new little sister's getting a lot of attention. And, and, and maybe, maybe he says, wow, that's how you get attention is you, you become a girl. But see, we're living in a, in a culture now that, that wants to foster that and, and say from a very young age that, that yeah, you, you, you identify who you are and what. Do you know that... that out of teenagers or up to teenagers or through teenagers, uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria, 75% of, of anyone who deals with that ends up settled and comfortable in the, the sex of their biology with no intervention whatsoever. But you see, we're a people who have, who have gotten to, we, we began to start to say that, that we need to take this thing further and further out this way. We have to continue to, to spread it out further and further this way. And then we have to say, is that really um, going to work? You see, in the beginning, he made the male and female. And then he, he made this marriage. And, and he made the marriage covenant. And he said that, that, that a man shall leave the home that he came from, and he shall take a wife, and he shall go, and he shall make a new home. And in that is the flourishing of society. It's the furthering of society. It's the foundational principle that our society is based on is marriage. And so as goes marriage, so goes our society. And we see that. We see the reality of, of the brokenness. And we talked about this last week, that as marriage goes, it leaves kids without any security. It leaves, it leaves them open to all kinds of different things. And I tell you that I, I've, I've had my own struggles in that area, and, but I've seen the reality of the truth of that. And so this idea is that this is sacred, and it's important, and it's ordained by God. And the two shall become one. And so there are no longer two, but they are one flesh. And then what God has joined together, that this is sacred, that this is holy, and that we should not separate or tear that down or go in different directions from that. So... Ephesians 5, 28 through 32, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. 
Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Remember, we talked that marriage isn't just this random principle. It really reflects the very nature and the character of God. It reflects the personhood of God, and it's meant to be a lived-out display of this triune God that we serve and we want to glorify. Um, and, and, and so it, it goes into this idea of, of talking about the body. And this is the problem, you see, with sexual sin is that the body, the, in 1 Corinthians 6, it says this. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person uh, sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. See, the problem with sexual sin is that it's, it's, it's not the same as, as sometimes as other sin. It's, it's a sin that happens within and against our own body. And if we're in the body of Christ, you see, we bring him basically into that sin as well. 1 Corinthians goes on to say, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body, and, the God, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, no one, no, or the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So, so this offense is, 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 is a bigger deal, and it, and it brings God into the middle of it. If we're joined with Christ and Christ with us, then we have to be careful. We have to guard this. We have to get back to the idea of the beauty and the sanctity and the sacredness of what we're talking about as we deal with this. So what do we do? We have, basically, we have several types of sexual sin that the Bible deals with. The Bible talks about adultery, right? And, and, and so adultery is, is sex of, with someone outside of the marriage covenant. And, and so it's, it's an interesting approach that, that we have with that. We all basically believe that, that that's wrong, that, that that shouldn't be done. Um, but but we, we think that once we're in that relationship, that now it's sacred, but before that, it's kind of all kind of a free fall and free for all. We, we just do it as we want. And as a matter of fact, the Bible deals with that kind of sin too, and it's called fornication. And fornication is sex without the marriage covenant. And, and, and the Bible is, is really... Um, plain with this. The Bible also deals with homosexuality, the, the sex of, between identical uh, genders. Um, and, and, and so we want to look at that. And I want to start honestly with fornication. The reason I want to start with fornication is because we have to get the log out of our own eye. This is our accepted sin in the church. We're okay with this on a lot of levels. We, uh, we, we just do this and, and, and we don't think anything about it. But what it does is we, we have a real necessity to reclaim what Christian singleness looks like. Because if we're going to say to other people that the answer for you is Jesus and possibly singleness, 
then we have to be able to demonstrate the reality of that, that that can be done, that, that people can live into that and do it. And there's, there's great reasons why God says, don't do this. It's not just these random, just don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's because of what it does. And, and I'm convinced, honestly, that our divorce rate is, is very much tied to the fact that we too quickly enter into an intimate relationship with one another. The reason for that is, is because when we do that, everything about the nature of the relationship changes. It just does. It changes, and, and, and you can be really um, gratified and satisfied, and it's new, and it's exciting, and it's alluring, and all of those kinds of things, and that becomes this veil to actually getting to know the person that you're with. So if you left that out, you'd be forced to connect on real levels, on deep levels. You'd be forced to connect spiritually. You'd be forced to connect intellectually. You'd be forced to connect emotionally. See, we all want to eat cake, good cake. But if you want to have a good cake, you can't make it out of icing. Icing goes on top of cake. Icing complements cake. If you want to make a good cake or a good marriage, you need to base it on things that will help that to be a reality. So, so if you want to make a, ba- make a cake, it takes a lot of different ingredients, and you got to measure those out right. And you've got to be careful with that. And you've got to preheat the oven and put it in there. And then you've got to make sure people aren't jumping around and stuff so your cake falls or whatever. And even when you pull that cake out of the oven, you can't ice it right then. You've got to let it cool off, right? A little bit. And, and then you put the icing on. And then you have a really good cake. You see, the problem with the culture that we're living in and the approach that we're having to this is that we're trying to make our cake just out of icing. And I'm going to here to tell you that if our relationships are based on, on sex, then that will never uh, carry a relationship throughout the years. It's not enough. It's great. It's a blessing. Honestly, well, the other thing we've got to recognize is that sex is a gift from God. It's his design. It was a gift given to us. My goodness, if nothing else, get your hand up in Sunday morning. That ought to. It's an absolute gift, and it's a blessing to each and every one of us. But it has incredible power. And that power has both the power to to bring together and to bless and, and, and to move a couple forward, or it has incredible power for destruction. And that's what we're witnessing in the culture around us. We've mishandled this gift. And because we've mishandled this gift, the power and the the reality of this gift are pouring out into us, and it's leaving us really a broken people. if, If there's one thing in our culture that we're dealing with that is leaving us incredibly broken and without the whole enchilada that God really wants to hand us, it's our approach to this area of our lives because we want to do it on our terms and our way. See, I believe that that God wants us to have deep, meaningful, abiding relationships with one another. And he's told us, here's how you do it. And for now, it's not a forever thing, but he's saying you need to leave that out so that you can actually build your relationship on something that's strong. And let me tell you here, if you're somebody and you haven't done that just right, I want to tell you that Jesus is the redeemer. He redeems everything that we give to him. So if we've done something wrong, if we've done it out of step with the way that he's asked us to do it, we just give it to him and he remakes it into something amazing and he's the only one that can do that. He can only, the only one that can take what I've done wrong and repurpose it for some good purposes in our lives. 
to teach us. But this is, this is just an area that we really have to get a hold of because we have to demonstrate to the world the reality that we know that this is true. You see, I think it's one of the most sad things that the church has right now is that the world is struggling in this area of marriage and we can't demonstrate to them that we understand and we know how, how this works, why it works, and demonstrate to the rest of the world that we've got it figured out because we're following God and His ways. See, this is an area of rebellion that's deep in our hearts. This is a place where we want it on our terms and we want it our way. But I'm going to just say that what happens this way is that people get together and all of a sudden intimacy is way up here and commitment is way down here. And if intimacy and commitment aren't rising at the same level together, you're going to find yourself in a relationship that's really hard to get out of. And the reason it's really hard to get out of is because you people have practiced intimacy together on a level that now we're in so deep that we know the reality of how much it's going to break us to get out of it. You see, if you leave that out, it actually makes getting out of the relationship easier because you don't have the investment. You haven't joined yourselves together. You see, again, the Bible is talking about that this, is, this goes to the very core of our being, that this is about joining ourselves with others and ripping ourselves apart. And, and the reality of that is, is if we are a single people and we're running around and we're just bonding and ripping apart, bonding and ripping apart, bonding and ripping apart with people all around us, you'll lose your ability to bond on the level that God would have you to bond on. You see, this is sacred, and we have, to, we have to get back to this. We have to understand what God is calling us to. And it starts with the church, and that's why I'm kind of, this is the biggest sexual sin that we're talking about. Others, the others, you know, um, homosexuality and things like that, it's not as pronounced. Fornication in the church, that's a big deal. And so it's the first one that we've got to deal with. It's the place that we've got to go. We've got to recapture the beauty of what God intended. You see, he intended for this to be beautiful. But what have we done? We have left out the spiritual aspect of this, and we've said it's just physical. And in so doing, we've, we've diminished the reality of what it's meant to be. How about this? How about if people entered into their marriage having accomplished something hard together? Maybe that'd be a good way to start. Having a, a like mind and, and, and pursuing God and, and struggling with this. I can promise you, this is not an easy thing. Super hard. If you set out to do it, it'll be one of the hardest things you ever do. If you do your relationship this way, if you're starting out, It'll be the hardest thing you do, but I guess what, but guess what? You'll have no regrets. You'll have no regrets about doing it. You'll actually always be thankful, and then the struggle of it will become part of your history. So, again, I don't say this to be offensive. I don't say this because I'm the judge, because I'm not. But I say this because I love you. And the reality of it is, is that this is an area that's a big deal. And this is an area that within the church, we're not doing a good job with. We need to practice purity because sexual sin is sin even against our own body. And it, and it leaves us in a broken place. And what I know about God is that he really wants to hand us the whole thing, the whole best deal. Satan is always saying, oh, God's withholding from you. God says, I want to give you the whole thing and I want you to have it to the full. 
but to have it to the full, he's got an economy that's different than this economy of the world. See, there's an economy of the world, and it's right here. God's is up here. And, it, and God wants to bless us all, but to get to reach that place where God's blessing is flowing, we got to live through the economy of this world. We can't listen to the voices and the compass of this world. We've got to believe that God has better for us, that, that in this economy up here, that this is... Um, that this is where God's blessing is, and it's worth it. See, I don't know about you, but to me, it had to make sense. I had to start to understand that if I was going to count this as worth doing, it had to make sense to me. But it does. I really believe that this makes sense. And so if you're young and you're in a new relationship, I want to encourage you so much to just to guard purity. If you're a young man, I'm going to tell you it's on you. It's not on her. The world, what does the world say? It's on her. It's all about her. But that's not what God says. God says that, that men were called to lead. And this is an area where if you lead in this area and you demonstrate to her that you're willing to, to take what you believe is beautiful and sacred and you're willing to guard it, you'll build a, you'll build a confidence and a trust in her that, that, that only something like that. Because you see, guys tend to be takers in that area. And it's a great way to demonstrate and say, you know what? I'm not going to cross this thing. So, so that's, what, that's what I did. I, 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 and I'm just going to tell you this. Like, what I said was, was, okay, in our relationship, with my relationship with Anna, I set the terms. And my terms were no, no petting and no kissing on the lips. Why? Because guess what? That leads to sex. It does. And, and, and if you said, look, this is important to us, and we don't want to go off of this cliff, here's the other thing I know. I can't run up to the edge of the cliff all the time and slam on the brakes and think at some point I won't run out of brakes and go over the cliff, right? If you want to not go over that cliff, you set the brakes way back here. It's not that we're, that, that I'm, you know, some kind of a, a spiritual thoroughbred or something like that didn't struggle with any of this stuff. It's that you say, if that's what we want to do, then you, st- you, set the, you set the brakes way back here. It's the only way to not go over that. So um, the other thing, I, I want to talk real quick about some of these other uh, things, and, and, and I want to speak a little bit to um, just the concept and the idea of, of homosexuality and where do we stand on that. And, and I'm going to tell you what I don't know. I, I, I don't know what all goes into a lot of that. And, and I don't, um, I'm not going to pretend to know. I don't know, again, nature, nurture. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell parents, oh, my gosh, you, you did a horrible thing. You, you missed the boat. You, that, that, that fourth grade soccer game, if you'd have just been to that, you know, everything would be different. Or, or that mom, you're too domineering. Or dad, you were gone too much. Or any of those things that just only bring guilt and bring absolutely nothing for a solution. I can tell you right now, I don't always know what leads into those kinds of things. I can tell you that I've, I've gotten to do a lot of work with people who are struggling in that area, and especially those who were in treatment for, um, for, for drug and alcohol abuse. And I can tell you, and, and don't hear me say that this is the cause of it, because I don't believe that, but I can tell you that very often, abuse sexual abuse, someone else's sin spilled into people's lives at a time that was incredibly confusing for them, at a time where they were seeking affirmation and relationship and trying to figure out what all that looked like and stuff in their lives. And, 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 and somebody else's sin spilled into their lives, and, and it brought great confusion and difficulty to it. And, and if you say, and, and I get it, and I'm not going to say, if people say, well, look, you know, I just, I didn't choose this. I'm not going to say, yes, you did. I was born that way. You know what I'm going to say? I was born into 
sin too. That's the reality. We were all born into sin. Each and every one of us uh, were born into sin and, and, and have longings and desires and things that aren't right and things that aren't going to bless us or, or anyone around us. And so I don't know a lot of those kinds of things, but I, I have gotten to experience and see some change in those areas. I've seen people come out of that. I've actually uh, had the pleasure one time of marrying a young lady who had been living as a lesbian, um, and, and she had a whole time of, of, of coming to know Jesus. And you, you know what she did? She went here. She went here. She, she just got into this, and she allowed Jesus to work in her life and change her life. And I, I got to uh, officiate the, the wedding between her and her husband. And, and, and they're still married today, and it's really a cool thing. There are some great people out there that have some great things to say in this area. There's a lady named Rosaria Butterfield who came out of lesbian lifestyle and is, is living just a, a celibate single life right now. But she has some amazing things to say about it. There's a guy, uh, Christopher uh, Yen, who, uh, who, who's a, a, a man who came out of a homosexual lifestyle. And he is a professor at Moody Bible College right now. And he also lives as a single uh, man. There's Jackie Hill Perry um, as well. So, so these are these uh, just examples and, and opportunities maybe to, to kind of check out and, and to hear from somebody who can speak into that. But I am going to say this, and, and this is the hard thing, is that it is sin. All sexual immorality that we're talking about, it's sin. And, and the reason that we choose into that is because we have a propensity towards sin. Uh, and so Ephesians 2 reminds us, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God, but God. What's going to make the difference in these areas of life? I can tell you that the only thing that changed me and changed my approach to these things and my perspective on it has been Jesus and the authority of his word in my life. The reality that I believe that, that what he is saying is true, that this is true north, and, and that the world uh, might point towards magnetic north, but it's off. You see, any good deception, any good lie is going to be mostly truth. If it's not, it's not even going to be believable. But the culture and the world around, they, they have truthiness, but they don't yet have the truth. And so therefore, it leads off in these different directions. You know, when Jesus is bigger than our desire, when we want our relationship with God more, then that's when the difference is made. That's when things really begin to change. But here, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is the gospel. And, and the gospel says this. It says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. 
Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And so this is a difficult thing and and not an easy thing to speak on. But the answer, the problem is always the same. It's sin. And the solution never changes. It's Jesus. It's his death on the cross that recreates us, that, that takes us out of our new self, our old self, and puts us in and makes us actually a new, regenerated, alive by the Spirit, human being. We are not defined by these things. The world wants to say you are merely your sexual expression. Except the reality of it is, is that Jesus was single. He was never married. He never had children. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a big bank account. But he lived as the most fully human being to ever walk the planet. He was full. The big question is this, is that are you ready, church? Because I'm going to tell you that, that this isn't an agreement, and we all know this with what the world has to say. And, and there's going to be a push that is coming our way. But I want to know if you are ready to love so well that you can't be accused of bigotry or hatred. Are we ready to go out and to embrace those who are struggling to make sure that the church is a place of hope, that the church is a place of, of refuge, that a place uh, where, where a relationship with Jesus can be fostered, where hope and love and compassion and grace are extended to those who are outside. Because this is the big call for us. You see, our call isn't to just love those who love us, right? But to love those who even hate us and maybe hate our views of things. So this is a, it's a big thing, but it's coming. Are you ready to lay your life down? Because Jesus said that there is no love greater than this. He didn't say there's, there's no love greater than this than to be right. He said there's no love greater than this that one would lay their lives down on behalf of someone else. Can we love that well? Can we, can we understand someone else and maybe start to see from somebody else's perspective? Can we understand that each and every human being here is stamped in the image of God and everybody has their story? And the reality of our story is that it's affected us. It's, 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 it's changed us. It's made us to many degrees who we are, but we are never trapped there. And this is the beauty of the gospel is that, is that where we were, where we were um, unlovely, where we were a mess, where we were doing the wrong thing and, and enveloped in sin, not because we were good, but because he was good. He came and, and gave himself for us to pay the penalty for sin so that we might step into the freedom that he offers for us. That we, might, that we might experience the, the life and the fullness and the goodness that only Christ can bring. So that's my solution. I come to just say, because I love you, I have to tell you what God says about this. I can say nothing else. But I know God to be a redeemer. And the very day that I quit believing 
in a new creation is the day I don't come here anymore. I'm telling you, Jesus changes lives. He changed mine. He can change yours. There's nothing too great. There's nothing too huge. There's nothing too uh, out of whack or out of control for him to come into and, and to bring his love. And he's called the church. He's called the church to be the light, to be a city on a hill, a lamp that's not covered up, to be salt into this world. This is our calling. And we're entering into a time, I believe, where our calling is, 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 is going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy. But that he's good. And, and that there's going to be a great harvest. I believe that, I believe that, that the church is going to get woke up. And as we get woke up, we're going to really begin to, to make a difference out there. And as the world experiences the brokenness of taking our sexuality and spreading it out as far as we possibly can, um, the church is going to have answers. We're going to have answers for that. You see, there's a reality that as we take that as far out as we can go, there's none of us that want to live in the world or the society that is accepting of how far this way we can go with this issue. Because I'm telling you, we can go a long ways. So let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you've come, that you've done for us what we could never do, that you love us and that you've given us parameters to experience freedom and hope in. Um, Lord, we just admit before you that we come a broken people and we don't get it and we don't know and there is none of us that don't have a log in our eye. Help us, Lord, that we would take the log out of our own eye, that we would pursue your purity, your, your passion, the things that you've called us to. Help us to orient our lives towards you and to understand that we aren't defined by the things that the world tries to define us by, but that we're your children. We're created by you and stamped in the very image of deity. So Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be the church. Help us to, to live into this and help us to love so well as the church that we could never be accused of being hateful or judgmental or bigots or anything like that. Lord, we need you to help us, empower us, Lord. Take us where we've never been before. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.